0: All right, what's going on, man? Welcome back to the channel. I'm Ron, and today we're getting into some late round breakout tight ends, man. The George Kittles of tomorrow, if you will. Now, I'm not going to waste your time, I'm not going to waste my time. Let's just get straight into it, man. Let's go. All right, now look, man, when when we're eyeing down that scope and we're hunting for these tight ends, man, where do we find them? Look, man. Do not be that guy who drafts your tight end in the middle rounds. Look, the breakout tight ends come super late. Last year, we had Darren Waller. He was getting drafted as the tight end 18, and he finishes as the tight end 3. You also had Tyler Higby; He was getting drafted as a tight end 30, and then he finishes as a tight end 8. So you can find startable, league-winnable guys in the later rounds of the drafts after, after tight end 10, at the very least. The biggest way that you can, you can just basically give your buy-in money straight to the commish is taking... That tight end in the middle tiers. Not not quite the, the Kelsey or Kittle and not quite the Darren Waller, but you're getting O.J. Howard last year. He was getting drafted as the tight end five and he finished as the tight end 29. Or you could get you get the Vance McDonald. He finished as the tight end 32 and you were buying him at tight end eight. These tight ends are going to destroy your football team There's not even a point in, in doing your draft if you're going to take a tight end early like that, or in the middle rounds like that. If you take If you take your tight ends in the middle rounds of redraft leagues, go down below and unsubscribe. We don't want you here. But if you want to win your draft, you want to make money, then go down below, hit the subscribe button, and I'll tell you how to win these leagues, how to get these tight ends late. And that's all in my draft guide, man. RonStewartDraftGuide.com. It's below tight end tiers. All these guys in this list are going to be super high up on that list, and they're going to be targeted in many tiers within. The ranking and this year everything after kelsey kittle and andrews to me are landmines i, I i'm going to wait on tight ends until at least tight end 10 probably the double digit rounds and i'm going to stack two upsides with massive upside this is how last year i went with darren waller and chris Curndon now look chris Herndon didn't work out they can't all work out darren waller was fine and then the year before that i, I was drafting george kittle and david njoku Njoku didn't work out but kittle was a stud so i'm telling you the hit rate on these tight ends is super high if you if you grab the right ones and if you miss on both, there's going to be a startable tight end you can find on the waiver wire. And that was shown last year with the guys like uh, Will Disley, Tyler Higbee was uh, picked up off waivers late in the year. So these are guys you can find on the waiver wire. There's no reason to draft an O.J. Howard or Vance McDonald type player in redraft this year. Now, guys that that could be considered in that tier would be guys like Tyler Higbee this this year. Tyler Higbee, you got guys like um, like Austin Hooper. Those are guys I just don't even want to, to throw a dart on. I'll wait till later on. All right, man. First up, we got Mike Gasecki. He's going off the board at the 11.02 as a tight end 14. So extremely affordable, and I'm telling you that that is straight robbery, bro. He's the perfect tight end candidate, and it's due to his crazy athleticism. He he looks like one of those Penn State boys. I'm telling you, at Penn State, they got some kind of factory in that gym that's just pumping out crazy athletes like a Captain America movie, bro. You got Saquon Barkley. There's there's crazy safeties coming out of there. I think his name is Troy Apke. These boys are going to produce for us in fantasy. Look at Mike Gusecki's player profiler page. If you want to talk Fucking about bars, 95th percentile and above across every workout metric. He ran a four-five. His catch radius is 100th percentile. He's 6'6", 247. The guy is a certified beauty. That is everything you want in a tight end. He has 97th percentile Spark X score, which is a composite of all of his workout metrics, and he's best comparable to Vernon Davis who is probably one of the greatest deep threat tight ends of all time. Mike Gusecki didn't do much in his first year, but that's that's expected with tight ends. It, it takes time for tight ends to develop. Guys like George Kittle, Kelsey, they don't come into their own until their second, third, fourth years in the league. So that's not a red flag at all. Or you can even look at Darren Waller. Darren Waller, I think, what, like six years of, of suspensions, whatever, uh, all kinds of problems transitioning from wide receiver to tight end. And then he, he eventually broke out. These tight ends, they take time, man. Gusseki is going to be on a similar trajectory to those guys at the top tier after having zero touchdowns in his first year and then almost and then having a semi-breakout in his second year. Now, when you look at Mike Guseki's 2019 uh, statistics, he commanded the seventh most targets among tight ends despite only being on the field for 69% of plays. Now, that was the 21st among tight ends in terms of snap share. He's not even on the field a lot, yet he's commanding targets, which is a great sign. If a guy is is running routes and and getting the ball thrown to him on a limited amount of snaps, that means that that coach wants to get the ball to that playmaker, man. He was top 12 in receiving yards and receptions, and he was number three in deep targets. So this is a guy who's stepping onto the field, he's commanding targets, and he's going deep down the field. If that's his role in his second year, then in his third, fourth, fifth, he's gonna he's gonna have the deep threat ability, and then he's also going to turn into some kind of red zone or first down mover in a similar way to George Kittle. He's going to deliver insane boom weeks, which is what you want from your tight end because of that long speed. And last year, he finished as the tight end 14, and this year, as I said before, he's getting drafted as a tight end 14 in 20, 2020, so you're you're drafting him at his floor. The the upside is baked. Is the upside is honestly getting gambled on with house money. You're you're getting the guy who was a tight end seven from weeks nine through seventeen, and that those weeks nine through seventeen was a glimpse into his upside of 2020. In those games, he posted 7.1 targets per game and four top five weeks in that span. Now in 2020, you got to look for his snap share to increase. His quarterback play is going to improve. Because then you got you got Ryan Fitzpatrick, whatever he's always slinging it. But then you got Tua Tugauola who is going to come in and he's going to be, we know he's going to be a stud. I mean, in the first year, who knows, but he should look to target his tight end early. And Gasecki's talent, it's destined to take that next step. If, if he went from not much his rookie year to breaking out at the back end of the second year, I'm telling I'm telling you it's almost a given that this guy is going to be a top 10 tight end in 2020. All right, man, next up we have TJ Hawkinson. Now he's going off the board right after Mike Gasecki as the tight end 15 at the 11.09 spot. And now Hawkinson is a guy with Mike Gasecki. That I'm targeting in that same tier. As soon as he gets a double digit round and I need a tight end, I'm trying to get one of one or two of these guys. Now, when you look at TJ Hawkinson, um, he's not the same, the same freak, hulkish, Captain America type athlete, but he's he's still 6'5, 251. And when you look at his player profiler page, he's still above the 70 percent on all workout metrics. And it's not really his athleticism that sells me, it's it's that that pedigree, that, that, that stud factor. He's the highest drafted tight end since Vernon Davis. In 2006, going sixth overall in that draft, T.J. Hawkinson was drafted eighth overall in 2019. So he's not as crazy as an athlete as Kasiki, but as I said, he has that pedigree. He he averaged 15.5 yards per reception in college, which is crazy. That means he's getting a first down on every on every pass at a place like Iowa. I, I can't I can't name the quarterback at Iowa, but it's fine. And on top of that, I can name the second tight end at Iowa. That was Noah Fan, a guy that we know is a, is a stud on a similar trajectory as Gaseki and Hawkinson, but Hawkinson outproduced Noah Fant. Noah Fant didn't get drafted in the NFL draft until the second round. So TJ Hawkinson was clearly the stud in that offense, and he's he's going to produce even with the talent around him. He's going to be the third option in this Lions offense, and you saw that last year at an early point in the season. Last year, he took the Arizona Cardinals for an absolute ride, man. He went off for 6-131 and a touchdown. That's the most yards by a rookie tight end in his first game ever. And I think it's like 40 more than the guy who's in second place. The thing that broke down TJ Hawkinson was the injuries, man. The guy, by the end of the season, he he was really running on fumes. He, he had an ankle sprain, a shoulder sprain, a concussion. And these were all within a span of like 10 weeks, man. Uh, it derailed the season. After that one game, you never really saw anything else from him because he was dealing with injuries. And then you had Matthew Stafford, who also had an injury that costed him the season. So... He didn't do much in his first year but that's expected from tight ends as, as i said it's going to be a theme in this video the tight ends in their first and second years you, you can't have inc- uh, crazy ex- expectations for them when you look at tj hawkinson yes it's only going to be a second season in 2020 but as i said he has that pedigree he, he's going to come in he's not a raw prospect he has a refined route tree he's a stud tight end he's drafted eighth overall so he, he's supposed to come in be a starter from day one and then be an elite all pro caliber guy any years past that so Expect Hawkinson to be healthy for a full season, along with Matthew Stafford, who's going to be healthy for a long season. And then you have Stafford, who was on pace for four thousand nine hundred ninety-eight yards and thirty-eight touchdowns in twenty nineteen before getting injured. So now hold on—we're not going to—we're not going to assume that he's going to throw for five thousand and forty touchdowns. But let's say he throws for for four thousand and thirty. The the third option in that offense, as a tight end, that's that's tight end that's like tight end eight numbers. All right. Now, when you grab Hawkinson or Gasecki, you have to pair them up with a late-round tight end, like a super late-round tight end, and that's going to be the guy I'm targeting in these drafts is going to be the boy Chris Herndon, man. He's going off the board in the 17th round of drafts as a tight end 27. I have him personally ranked as a top-20 tight end. Now, last year it's a tough year for your boy with the Herndon experience. We got Darren Waller, but the, but the whole point of even grabbing Darren Waller was just the last four games to get Herndon back from suspension. But Chris Herndon, he came back from suspension, he got injured, and he ended up playing one game in 2019. But thankfully, Darren Waller, I had I had no idea Darren Waller was going to be the stud that he was. He ended up being like a top-five tight end last year. You have to look past last year to get a feel for Herndon's upside. As I said, people were, were depending on him to be their tight end one last year, and that was because as a rookie, he was a tight end 15, and that was 2018. Since 2014, only the only tight ends to reach 500 receiving yards in a single season were Chris Herndon, George Kittle, Evan Ingram, Mark Andrews, and Noah Phan. Now, that's some really good company that Chris Herndon is in after uh, eclipsing 500 yards in his rookie season. And when you look at the rest of his productivity stats, he was top 10 in red zone receptions, touchdowns, yards per reception, and yards per target all as a rookie. He was extremely efficient in an awful offense that I think had, like it was Sam Darnold and maybe some some Josh McCown sprinkled in there. I don't know. I'm a Jets fan. A lot of that is just kind of uh, erased from the back of my head. I'm not really ever trying to think about uh, past seasons because we really haven't been good since Mark Sanchez has been here. But it's fine. Chris Herndon, promising guy. As I said, he bonded with Sam Donald, and both of them were rookies. So now, in a year where there's all this coronavirus, all this, all this face mask stuff going on, they have a connection from that rookie season. They bonded, and in a year where the Jets have a lot of turnover at receiver, look for Donald to establish that that bond that he established with um with Herndon his rookie year. All right, man. If you made it this far, I deeply, deeply appreciate it, man uh thank you so much go down below subscribe leave a like comment look man the draft guide is out if you want to get a head start on winning your leagues man go down below click on ron StewartDraftGuide.com, cop it for 10 bucks literally just 10 bucks to win your leagues i know i know your league buy-in's a little more than 10 bucks we got fat pockets out here especially if you're subscribed to the channel no broke boys now look draft guide's out go down below leave a like whatever Go on Twitter, follow me at Ron Stewart underscore. Let's win this year, man. And as always, I'll see you in the next one.